What's up, listeners? Austin here. I just wanted to come on before the show and apologize for the audio quality that we have. We were so excited to record that we forgot to sync up our mics the way they needed to be with our recording software, so we apologize for the audio quality. Anyways, here is the next episode of Slip Angle. Hi, I'm recording. I am recording. Alright, this is Slip Angle Show episode two. Oh, Oop. hang on. Might want to move back from the mic just a little bit. Oh, how's that? That's a lot better. All right, let's start over. You ready? You don't have to hit record again. We'll just count down. All right. I'm at 20 seconds. All right. We're good. Whatever. <laughs> All right. Um, well, we can tell that we're new to this. So, um, I'm Adam. That's Austin. Uh, Howdy. And, uh, yeah, this is episode two here. I've been uh, talking for a couple hours on the SCCA rules writing committee conference call so if my voice starts to crack and i cough and stuff that's what happens so. those damn frs's yeah we're complaining uh, the guys in my class so super true and light and there there's some people that want the frs and brz in it but it exceeds the compression and cam lift rules of the class so they want to make an exemption and people hate exemptions and it's you know just drama a bunch of Anyway, I had uh, yeah, I had a uh, a long conversation with some people, and my wife said I sounded angry for a few seconds. So you you angry? That I yeah yeah a little bit a little bit. Anyway, I can't talk too loud because I got a one year old baby sleeping about forty feet away. So hopefully this <laughs> volume level's pretty good. But so no loud no get, loud race car noises, right? No, I can't make any room. For, you have to edit edit that in in post. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have, uh, I have gotten, uh, you know, you've probably seen them on Track Made West. We've gotten a few comments about my my uh, my dulcet tones and my luscious voice. Very soothing. <laughs> Very. <laughs> yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think I have a voice for radio. I might have a face for radio. <laughs> Whatever. Um, yeah, we had a lot of good uh, feedback on the first episode, though. Yeah, we uh, did. I was uh, I was very pleased. I don't know about I've been yourself, anxious but... to record this one. I've been anxious to record this one. Yeah, so much so that uh, we're staying up late tonight. Yeah, it's uh, what about nine thirty right now? Ten ten thirty. Yeah, it's ten thirty here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was Ryan Kristoff uh, laughing uh, in, a, in, a, in a message. He's excited about Honda Mate now because he listened to our dumb podcast. <laughs> Now, if you hear pings and bings, that means I left the phone out, uh, the sound of my phone out. I turned that off. When are we not excited um, for Honda Meet, though? Yeah, I'm. I'm kind. Of, I I think the only time I'm not excited about the next Honda Meet is um, when I arrive at the track for the Honda Meet. <laughs> will be happy. to get set up. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's been a lot of years we've been doing it now. We the first year Chris rented the track was 2004. Yeah, that's a lot of years in a row of renting a Benjamin. Wow, 2000. Wow. Yeah, I think the first one was on, I want to say it was on a weekday. We had a couple of weekday, single day ones. I mean, it's hard to believe that Honda Mate would be anything but a three day, make your spouse angry at you because you've been <laughs> gone for so long kind of thing. But yeah, the first one was a one day thing. And I want to say it was a, I can't remember exactly, but I want to say it was Friday. The, uh, 
HPDE thing wasn't nearly as popular back then. And I don't think we sold out. I think Chris barely broke even. Um, and like all of the, uh, like all, we had a bunch of our buddies helping on staff. Like we all, you know, we all worked through the event and we paid to get in. And um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a few one day events. And we had one on the 4th of July, 2005 or six. That one sold out pretty well. We had a lot of people because it was a holiday. But I think the uh, the big three-day party weekends are what people really enjoy now. I mean, if you guys did it on 4th of July, you had to have fireworks, right? So we need to bring that back, throwback style this year? I, I Did you just text me and tell me to move back from the mic? I did. I was trying to keep it off the air, but... Oh, come on. Just... <laughs> All right. Um, Yo, yeah, move I... back from your mic, bro. All right. I just got a message from uh, Ryan about the uh, potato gun. And, uh, I don't think we played with fireworks much, but I think potato guns were... I know potato guns were uh, a big hit last year in the middle of the night, but uh, we do need to make sure people are safe with those things. <laughs> <laughs> there needs to be some regulations. Yeah. The, uh, Let's jack the price year, of potatoes right? up so people don't have price for ammunition. The regulation was me walking around uh, telling them not to shoot it on the racetrack. <laughs> Going through turn two, and there's just like a whole like flock of potatoes. Is that the term for multiple potatoes? Is it a flock? I don't know. What? Yeah. It's a, a, herd, a herd of potatoes? It's a, it's a gaggle. A, a gaggle. gaggle. There you go. Yeah. A whole school of potatoes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do. I do remember seeing a couple of them on turn two uh, last last year on Sunday because they had a party on Saturday night over there. I think it was somebody's bachelor party. Oh, you know who's having a bachelor party this year? I think. At Honda. Yeah, I think uh, Mr. Andrew Mitchell. Oh yeah, Andrew. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. I forgot he got engaged. Yeah. So that that should be interesting. Yeah. The. Uh, the the Honda Meat Bachelor Party is not you know that's not uncommon. There's I think there's always one going on. But. Yeah, I mean there's enough people and we're around the right age to be getting married. Not everyone's yeah. as old as you are and married with kid already, but well, I'm not that old. I'm only you know <laughs> mid thirties. Chris and Luke are older than me, and we've got we've got instructors that are like in the fifties now, but uh, maybe in the sixties. We've got a few of them that are older. I know one of them just retired last year. Oh, wow. But, um, yeah, Roger just retired, I believe, and he bought a And he bought a Porsche, right? Yeah, he bought a Cayman, I think, right? I think I think um, either that or a 911. I don't know. I, I I know he was talking about it before I moved back to Atlanta. Yeah, he, he came to grid life in a Porsche. I, don't, I didn't really look at it. Yeah, I, I didn't either. Um, yeah, I my bachelor party actually was Integra Type R Expo 6 at Gingerman. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was uh, ITR Expo is in the same. So that would have been the year of Honda Meet. So it could have been 06. Yeah, we got married in 06. Um, but yeah, it was. It happened to be a gingerman. That was like that was, that was right after I graduated high school. Yeah, I, I was running intermediate then. I had a turbo D series Honda. And my red my red hatchback has a tur- had a turbo D series and like the worst roll bar ever welded in. Fitment was terrible. <laughs> um, and I ran intermediate class. That was a fun weekend. I remember that one. My roommate had a Type R back in the day. Josh Blocker had a Type R in 97, number 98. But, yeah, I had a big old thing for uh, Type Rs. And, um, 
Yeah, my roommate had one. I miss that thing every day. It gets stolen out of a locked garage with an alarm on. You know, all the terrible Type R theft myths that you hear, they're, they're all true. Well, it's like that guy, <laughs> that guy from Chicago, Richard. I think he's had his Type R stolen like four times. And is so the, much to the, the point now, it's the one that gets booted. Like he boots Yeah, it, he's he the one who carries a boot yeah. with him, right? It's, you know, it's he, that uh, bad. That's the only problem with the Type R, man. They are, they're such, if you want a front-wheel drive Honda, it's such a good chassis. It's such a good motor. And they got awesome brakes on them. I mean, ABS is so good from the factory. It's got, you know, NSX level brakes, same pads and everything. You know, they, they're just they're just so good, but they get stolen. They just get stolen like crazy. Now, one of my Facebook friends was talking about buying one and uh, and daily driving it in Chicago. And <laughs> I, I told him that was just a bad idea. A, a bunch of Honda guys would get pissed off at him for driving one through the winter in Chicago. And B, it'd probably end up getting stolen rather quickly. That, so many have been stolen in Chicago. And it, the, the same night that my roommate's was stolen, this was probably five, six years ago. Um, he had it for several years. But the same night, his was stolen. Another 97 um, from five miles away got stolen. Oh, geez. Um, and that was, that's only a couple miles from my house, that one. And uh, yeah, there was, they never really did find anything on them, um, either one of those cars. Supposedly there was a group bringing them back to Virginia or something, um, and stripping them out. And, you know, wow. Lord knows why. But anyway, that's about the most depressing subject we've talked <laughs> yeah. about. Right <laughs> I've never had a car stolen, thank goodness. But uh, no, one of the one of the torque team guys, Chris, had his S two thousand, his supercharged S two thousand, stolen a couple years ago. Did he ever get it back? No, or? no. I think they found the chassis in a garage or something. I think the people got busted. Um, and there were a couple other S2000s. I, I think they might have been the same ones that tried to steal Everett's car a couple years ago. So it was right oh, around yeah, the same time. I remember time. that. Yeah, Everett lives in the same town as me. And uh, yeah, I remember a couple of the, couple of their local buddies texting me seeing if I had seen anything that night. Um, but yeah, I think they moved his, like, they only moved it a few blocks and then and they found it again. Yeah, I think what it was, since his is one of the newer ones, it, uh, <laughs> they couldn't get it started as easily as some of the other ones. Yep. So, but I think Everett just blew his motor up. He's fixing it. Right yeah, now. I saw that on Facebook. It seems like uh, hanging out with Devin might be rubbing off on him a little bit. Oh man, Devin's gonna hear Boom. this. Boom! So Boom! I think you just dropped the hammer. You ruined his day. <laughs> yeah, Everett's got like the prettiest blue S two thousand, and he's been he's been taking it on track and drifting it too. Yeah, I love that he actually drives it. You know? Oh, the thing is, the thing is stunning. I think recently someone asked him if it was bagged, and he was yeah. really proud to say that it wasn't because it, it looks yeah, it looks like it should be. That must be a compliment. I mean, yeah, I, I mean I, that, <laughs> that's not so really low. that's not my scene, but I'd imagine yeah. it's a compliment. Hey, the dude, the dude wheels it. That's cool, man. I can respect uh, the, the slightly uh, too low cars if you if you drive it and have fun with it, man. I see him driving down the road all the time. Um, I was going to get lunch couple or last summer and he goes flying down 170th over here it's uh it's a good looking car man sometimes being too low isn't you know visually it's not that bad i wonder if we could have like a stance class for time attack like you have to track Mm -hmm. a stance car we totally could i i think it would probably be uh it would probably be more entertaining than the current time i think so (laughs) they did a good job at the last good life being uh, quite a bit yeah, but, I mean, what think about like extra points for the car show. The uh, it, it would have to be like uh, you know, 
the smallest, thinnest rubber band <laughs> tires. You know, that, that gets you a little bit of... It, it would be like the SECA uh, call I was just on where we argue about all the little minutia of this and that. Prettiest paint gets you a half a second bump. How much time are Lambo doors worth? Oh, Lambo doors are worth at least half a second around Gingerman, I think. I mean, if you're going too fast, can you just pop them open and use them as like an air brake? The, uh, or that's the, the suicide doors. Sorry. That's the suicide doors that would work better for yes, that. That would be the air break. I think Lambo doors would be like adding spoilers. Maybe Maybe for like cornering. You just open it up, yeah. you know, whichever way you're going. The, uh, have you ever seen Lambo on track at Gingerman? I I, I might have seen. Well, wasn't there one? I thought there was one at Grid Life. That was. I, I only saw the Ferrari. I think that. I feel like there was a Lambo at Grid Life from one of the, the Chicago Rally that, guys. There's that sports car. Yeah, we teched one and all that. But there's that. I didn't. I didn't see it out there. There's that. Uh, that sports car rental company. That we oh, called. Extreme Experience. Yeah, yeah. a bunch of our instructors instructed on them. One of our. Uh, one of our staff members. Like Holly, she works with them. She goes all over, all over the Midwest for them. Um, I think Pat Reyes works yeah. for them too. Uh, I know he I, I, instructed down here at Atlanta Motorsports Park with them a couple of weeks ago. I'd really be curious to see how fast somebody can, like, you know, ten tenths. Really, really, really rare, like rail on it. Yeah, yeah. Like, like uh, what's what's the what's the new hot the uh, Lambo? Is it Aventador or the Huracan or something? I mean, last time I was shopping, the Aventador was the top one. So. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Did you ever end up picking that one up? Austin? No, I mean they they couldn't match the stitching on the seats to the color that I wanted, oh, so I yeah. just I told them to forget about it, and I just I never took delivery. <laughs> since uh, since we talked last, how many miles have you put on the jet? Uh, let's see, that was Thursday, probably about a thousand. Uh, it's Jeez. about four hundred miles one way down to Florida, where I was at this weekend. So we yeah, just wasn't came the back wedding today. last night? Yeah, it was uh, yesterday at 6.30 on the beach, actually. Okay, so you so, drove back today. Yep. So drove back today. But yesterday, Jessica and I went in like a, probably about a 140-mile <coughs> motorcycle ride. So oh. that was nice and nice and fun and relaxing. Although it was like 102 degrees. So with yeah. jackets and everything. So uh, did... probably not as bad as being in a hot race car in a race suit, but... Yeah, I was going to say, how does that compare being on a bike? I've never really been on a bike in a full gear. I mean, as long as you're moving, it's fine. Yep. But if when you're stopped in traffic, it's just horrible. Because, I mean, the motor is sitting there right between your legs, like right under your crotch, uh, yep. just emitting tons of heat. Yeah, so, bikes are something I really never got into much. I, I've only been on dirt bikes a little bit, you know, just drive around fields and ride them around fields and you know, funny enough, I was actually into bikes before I was ever into cars. Oh, almost everybody I think that I've talked to at the racetrack was into bikes big time. I rode BMX heavily for probably 10 years. Oh, really? My, yeah, my left knee is all jacked up still. <laughs> I, I've got a spot on my face that doesn't grow in because I came down 12 feet on a burnt <laughs> ramp down onto my face at the Kankakee Skate Park like 15 Man, yeah, I actually woke up in the YMCA <laughs> locker room. <laughs> I raced BMX nationally actually for about four really? years. Yeah, four or five years. From... Who'd you run with? The ABA? No, with or... the NBL and ABA actually. Oh, cool. So both. Cool. Yeah, we used to. When I lived in Texas, we used to go 
all up into Oklahoma and you know nice. over to Louisiana and stuff like that for national events. So it was, uh, what, it was uh, a lot of fun. What kind of bike do you run? A twenty inch? No, I had a a junior when I was racing a junior at like age nine. Yep. I had a power light uh, with answer forks. I don't know if you remember the answer forks at the time, oh, yeah. but of course. Uh, and that that one I was proud to tell my friends when I was nine that it had a titanium bottom bracket. So oh man, yeah. profile cranks. Yeah, actually, profile cranks, and it yeah. was, uh, I think that bike had like a 90-pound weight limit, you know, little, really? running little like one and one-eighth inch wide tires, um, yep. Yep. and then after that, when I, I got a little those... too heavy, I stepped up, I had a Hawk that had the square, okay. the square tubing, yep. Yep. so that was, uh, and yeah, answer I... forks again and everything, I think that one you could weigh up to like 135 or 140 pounds, and you were running like a inch and three-eighth tire. Yeah, I, I always thought those uh, those little junior bikes those were those were cool looking bikes in the dance cap catalog. But yeah, obviously, my two hundred pound self in high school could not toss one of those around. Yeah, know. right. Answer, answer forks like to explode. We had to run the <laughs> we rode a lot of trails and, and skate parks, and we had to run uh, S and M pitchfork was like the go to cheap fork for us. Man, I remember S and M had a couple awesome bikes. I always wanted a bike that had an inverted nine ninety brake on the rear for some reason. Heck yeah, I, I don't know why. Right now. I just wanted one. And then Standard came out with their one twenty five R, which is like a trail yep. bike that you could also race because it was super lightweight. And... I was at the I was at the Standard skate park in Davenport, Iowa, on a cold, cold January day with my buddies in high school, and uh, the owner's name was Rick Moliterno, I think. He showed up at the skate park, and he had, um, it was the uh, the new trail, I think the one you just said, or whatever, and uh, we just thought, I mean, we thought it was the coolest thing in the world. He pulls up in the snow in a Mustang, <laughs> brand new bike, and the dude just proceeded to shred the mini ramp, but uh, yeah, it was like the new trail crossover bike. So awesome, and then there was the S&M, or no, was it S&M? No, it wasn't S&M. Uh, Hoffman bikes. They had an Evil Knievel yep. bike that yep. I really, really wanted. I think my buddy Dave, who got me into cars uh, when we were in high school, I think he has an Evil Knievel. So he oh, has are you serious? Yeah, he, he's got a quite a collection of. He's got a Reynolds uh, race frame. Uh, Craig Reynolds is. He used to live around here, and we used to ride trails with him. He's got one of his frames never been used. I think he's got a. He always loved uh, Brian Foster. I think it was the Schwinn dude. He's got a couple of his frames. Yeah, he's got kind of a collection of BMX stuff. Man. He's uh, he's going to be at Honda Meet, my buddy Dave. Will. Awesome. We need to set up a half pipe, man. Yeah. <laughs> None of us uh, really ride a whole lot. Once in a while on 4th of July at night or the day before 4th of July because we're all not working the next day. We'll go ride a couple of skate parks and watch some fireworks and stuff. Man, I haven't been on a can't BMX really bike in before. forever. Yeah, the problem is I can't get hurt because we've got you know, families and mortgages. That's why I'm. I want to do the motorcycle thing before I have kids. Yeah, you probably should. Yeah. My, my although my uncle has a couple of kids and he's been racing uh, competitively nationally for thirty. Years. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. The uh, sometimes you just need to have a better disability policy <laughs> and keep racing. I mean, the the interesting thing to me about motorcycles is that the the barriers to entry to racing motorcycles is a lot lower. I mean, you still have to yeah. go through comp school and everything, but you don't have to spend the money to cage your bike. You know, if you've already been yeah. doing track days competitive, or not competitive, yeah, competitive track days. I won the track day. 
but no, if you've been doing track days seriously on a motorcycle, your bike's pretty much ready to go. So, and you already yeah, have all the yeah. gear and everything. So that's kind of kind of intriguing a little bit. Uh, but you don't have you don't have mirrors though, so I, I don't know how how scary yeah, yeah. Or, or weird that's gonna be when I start doing track days on the bike. I know a couple guys uh, on Track Midwest do the bike thing too, like Tom and yep. and Jack and his brother. Um, have uh, Have you seen it at uh, at Gingerman, like the night before Honda Meet, when they have a bike minute going? Yeah, on? actually, I think uh, when was it? Was it Grid Life two years ago or Honda Meet? two years ago when they One did because yeah. i think tom tom like rented a trailer put the s2000 and the bike on it and ran ran with sport bike track time on friday bring some pretty good crowds too man yeah so the uh <laughs> it's just kind of scary looking man <laughs> i don't know I'm, I'm too used to my fire suit and my giant cage and all that stuff i mean it'd be like riding riding on top of the car during yeah, a race. it sort of would be. And the car's way faster. Yeah. Although, it seems like from the videos that I've seen, the straights are a lot shorter and the corners are a lot longer. But that could yeah, just that be the skill level thing. Uh, yeah, I think it's... Until you get to be... I feel like there's the a lot more fast guys guy. in cars than there are fast guys on bikes. I think that's probably, uh, that's probably true because it takes a lot... It probably takes a lot of... Uh, time on a bike to really really get up to the moto gp level but um and that's such a dangerous sport it, it, it's pretty easy to go pretty fast and don't stock streetcar with some hot tires in it. <laughs> yeah <laughs> and there's a little less uh you know barrier uh you know the the injury barrier's not quite as near and dear <laughs> yeah. which reminds me talking about injury uh, i don't know if you saw it on the thread on track midwest but jordan bryant was talking about his first track day uh when i instructed yeah, I him that. with a broken arm there was a lot of gibberish going along with it but he was talking about being in a cast and being like yolo uh but essentially i <laughs> he had a broken arm he had a he broken right arm so shifting uh was quite interesting he just kind of like would nudge the shifter with his cast where, where was it it was a gingerman i think it was at Wangfest, maybe memorial day in 2012 Work. Um, was that the first one, the first Wang Fest, or was that in 2011? Um, I think the first Wang Fest was in the fall of 2011, because it was right after I moved to Chicago. Yeah, I, that was the first one that we brought our lemons cart. Yeah. Um, but and then I'm worrying... I can't believe he tracked with a broken yeah, arm. Yeah, he, he tracked <laughs> the awesome. first track day ever with a broken arm, and like well, I, I got this, him moving you know, pretty good, and I think I check my watch like every good instructor does but isn't supposed to share with their student uh at the end of the weekend and i think we were cranking off like 151s or 150s as a yeah i was i was very very happy for him with a broken arm it was quite quite interesting one of the most impressive uh driving there's a guy that runs with nasa he he's he's raced a lot of his name is Drew. I forget what his name is, but he he doesn't have any use of his legs, and he drives a stick shift. Is that the guy in the Focus? No, he he not that he might have the Focus. Too, okay, but he's he's been racing forever. <coughs> I think he's in that. <coughs> Does he have like a shaved head? I don't know. Um, there used to be a guy that raced that. like PTE or PTF with yeah. NASA, I think, that was running a Focus that the, was in uh, a wheelchair. 
the crazy thing about this dude is he's in a wheelchair. He drives a stick, and he he races enduros, and he and the rest of his drivers also drive, you know, with legs. And this dude pushes the clutch with a with something that they clamp out of the clutch pedal, and he and he shifts the gears and holds the steering wheel. That's just awesome. That's um, just awesome. He he like holds the steering wheel and sh- and pushes the clutch with the same arm. Wow. Um, I don't know how he. I really almost don't know how it does. Is it? Yeah, you know, where there's a will, there's a way, man. Yeah. I want to drive a car. Is it Freedom? I think Freedom Autosport that runs with Grand Am. Some of their drivers are ex, or you know, or veterans. Yeah, that's, and I think a couple uh, of the them who have you know. They just won a race out in Lime Rock last year, and it got a lot of publicity. Yeah, yeah, because I think some of them are, are amputees and things like that. So it's it's just it's really awesome. I, I think I think that was the guy that Calzada. Uh, texted me that his company actually fixed their that dude's wheelchair uh, a while back he, he works at works for a company that uh, that does wheelchair repair for major airport companies and airports are pretty rough for wheelchairs but the uh, yeah that dude really uh, I watched some of the some footage of that guy and he can drive just fine it's really amazing what people can overcome yeah if uh, I, I I'd love to think that if I lost a limb I'd Keep on racing, but it, that would be a giant barrier, man. That would be tough. It's it's hard enough uh, with four of them. You lose one of them, man. That's a. Yeah, you want you talk about mid pack? I would be dead last if I had to deal with something else. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know what I would do. The it, it seems like I got I got I've got the most respect for the guys that you know they overcome more barriers than. Just the money and time kind of barriers. We've we've had we've had an instructor and advanced level guy driving. I don't think he's instructed, but uh, he's been running advanced for, with Honda Meet with forever. Uh, he drives an RSX Auto, and he's got you know he's got a wheelchair and he shoves the steering wheel to slow down and yanks on it to, to speed up. It's all the car's fast too. It's not slow at all. Wow. But. Uh, yeah, it's 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 really cool to see him out there every year. He's out there having a good a good time, and, and he's been to ITR Expo events. But there's more of them out there than you think that are dealing with a lot more of a, of a, a hurdle to overcome than just the uh, I don't have enough money for our compounds kind of problem. And I think that's what I love about the track the most is that it seems to be I don't want to say a complete equalizer. There's always going to be someone faster, someone that has more money. But from the social side of it, I think that's what we all enjoy the most. You know, everyone, no matter the walk of life or how much money you make or what you drive, I mean, as long as you have the right attitude, everyone gets along really, really well. That's the thing that keeps me coming back. You know, I don't, I don't win too many races. Uh, I I definitely win lots of track days. Lots. (laughs) I always pass that checker flag first. Totally, man. Totally. Yeah, uh, if it wasn't for the buddies, and you know, a bunch of them probably listen to this dumb show. <laughs> um, this is, I mean, that, they're they're really the reason that, that we still do the whole Hanami thing. Hanami doesn't make any money. Grid life, you know, is the most expensive event ever. <laughs> We're just barely lucky to break even. It's uh, it's it's about having fun, man. Um, and there's nothing you're not going to live more than when you hop behind the wheel of your car and you chase your buddy down. Down the oh, it's great. It's, but it's really the social, communal experience. That's really the reason to do it. I mean, that's why I keep coming back, even though I live in Atlanta now. 
Yeah, you're driving cross country. Yeah, and I, it's not like I even have anything fun to drive. Well, I do have stuff fun really? to drive, but I don't bring anything fun to drive. I mean, some some of the uh, some of the most fun weekends I've ever had were were crisscrossing the country, going to VIR. Oh, when you and Brad went. Oh, I've 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 solo driven to VIR. I've driven and and met buddies out there. I drove there with Kyle. I drove there with Brad. I mean, it's it's so much fun to take a big old long road trip and have a destination. Oh, it's it is. Um, what were we going to talk about? I was going to actually ask you something. I don't know. I totally, I totally, my brain just kind of froze <laughs> up. Um, Coming up this weekend is uh, Grid Life number two at Autobahn, though. We were going to talk about that. Okay. We were. Um, uh, I think we're going to do another show from there at the end of at the end of the day, either Saturday or Sunday, depending on your schedule. Uh, end of the day, uh, Saturday would probably work best. I would, I would love to get a little And bit I think more people will be hanging out at the track, too, on Saturday yeah, as opposed Saturday's to packing up nuts. and going home. So um, I think we've got 4,000-some people that say they're coming on Saturday. A lot of car show people, you know, that race crowd is pretty wow. giant car show. Um, I hope they have actually have enough room to park it. But if, uh, if we can get some uh, some background noise of some race cars, I mean, like, that might be kind of cool. Oh, it would be perfect. Uh, maybe I'll try to set something up, up uh, you know, around the last session of the day. Gotta get some cars like Dragon Frame on the asphalt too, just like yeah, we through win, the paddock. Uh, win the Stance Time Attack Awards, you know. Gotta have the lowest car with <laughs> the tiniest tires. But I think it'll be a pretty good event. Uh, I've been answering emails tonight about tech questions and stuff like that. But, um, there's always the. Uh, that's one of the things we were gonna talk. Things that you want to uh, look at on your car before you go to the racetrack. Oh, right. Uh, we should probably talk about that because we have an event coming up in a few days. That is true. Yeah, when we're when we're teching cars, like the most common things we look for is that the car's cleaned out. You get stuff flying around your car. That's a good thing. Just when you're on a racetrack. Um, and then we check the brake lights, you know, shake the wheels. We always got a couple people hanging out shaking the wheels, making sure nothing is loose. If you get a little, you know, a little bit of play, you want to look at what's, what's causing that. Usually, it's a tie rod or something. We've sent a lot of people to the auto zone to get a new tie rod for their car. But yeah, if uh, yeah. what what really is like the number one thing that makes me fail a car is crappy battery type. Yeah, I was just about to say battery type. How many down. freaking <laughs> times do we see bungee straps hold batteries down, and then people want to go on the racetrack? Um, it's not gonna not gonna end well. But that's a giant projectile. That's the heaviest single little item in the smallest. You know, besides your engine and trans, your battery is like the next heavy thing. And I think and uh, a couple years ago, wasn't uh, one of the spec Miata races determined <laughs> by a battery tie down? Um, I think one the, of the leaders uh, uh, had a battery come loose, and it started shorting out, and he had to pull out of the race. I, I saw at my very first race weekend, I saw a guy, um, he was, I think he was top three at least in Spec Miata, and the the battery started dancing around in his trunk, and it dented the, you know, it, on the passenger side or rear of the Miata, that's kind of where the battery sits, and giant, giant dent where, where the battery uh, yeah. went flying into the fender, so, and, and he, ended up, he ended up definitely not winning anything. So make sure your battery is tied down, people. Yes, please. And then, uh, yeah. and then the, the new problem that we've kind of been having with harnesses 
um, without roll bars. And that's that's a that's a that's a tricky one because some groups still allow it, but it's kind of becoming the norm to uh, to not allow harnesses at all without any sort any sort of non you know additional non factory slash additional rollover protection. Um, and it's just kind of a gray area still with some HPDE groups. Yeah, our our policy is written in the policy. Yeah, the the official stance. Yeah, we we have to have aftermarket rollover protection if you're using harnesses. But what uh, about uh, what about four point versus five and six point harnesses? Well, for... um, five and six point are kind of the same. Right. There are some. I think it's what Schroff or whatever that makes that. They make some sort of fancy. It's like anti-submarining. Yeah, yeah. That's you know that, there, there's exceptions to some rules because. Technology is kind of moving with harnesses pretty fast. But, um, yeah, we try to try to uh, emphasize the the need for a submarine belt. Where do you think uh, ruling with uh, convertibles is going? What's the uh, um, what's the official word on on convertibles? Well, for us, um, basically, Miatas need roll bars, right? Because um, Miatas, there's there's nothing there. That's, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty sketchy. Bars, yeah. But if you take if you take those things off and an S two thousand, those things behind the head. As it, essentially, it's the same thing as a Miata. It's basically a roll bar. It's basically a double hump roll bar. And then you get the, you get the cars like E forty six BMWs that get the crazy pop pop up deployment. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. It, it, Miatas are really Miatas and then ancient tiny British cars are really the things that we have to worry about. But yeah, you see you see Miata roll bars out there, and pretty much. Most street Miatas, if if the if the guy's a mild enthusiast nowadays. Most of the time, that's pretty pretty standard, even for a street Miata for a roll bar these days, at least for yeah. NAs and NBs. Roll bar and a foam activated seat, right? Yeah, that yeah, that yeah. that helps a lot, actually. <laughs> I, I the first Miata I sat in was a Thomas Stock ninety one, and uh, I'm about six two, and I was that was back when I was a heavy boy. Down like 199, but I was I was a big dude and sitting in the foam stock. That's not a comfortable place for a guy like me. <laughs> well, now what about? Yeah, I sure. Go ahead. Sure would like to have one of those things someday. Ah, uh, with a with a K series in it. Yeah, I uh, I might have some K series swap parts sitting around. Just steal Kyle's. Yeah. He's got so many of those K motors. I can't even tell which one runs it. <laughs> Yeah, he he's done with the CRX. Yeah, all Kyle. Yeah, is it uh, is it gone? I know CRX. he was telling me about it at Grid Life that it was uh, on its way out. Uh, it, it's still on premises over at the Tubay compound, but it uh, it is sold. So it's sold to another another one of our track buddies from Honda Meet and all that, but, uh, which is nice keeping the family a little bit. It makes me jealous of the roll cage that we can fill. That car is so fast. Oh, it's, it was fun at Grid Life. I took it out once uh, once each day. Yeah, he's he's building a new uh, gorgeous project that we're stuck with. So. <laughs> <laughs> it, it'll it'll be much prettier. I heard it's a Yugo paint. Yeah, it, it I, it's a Citroen. So. <laughs> yeah, he's building a, uh, a Fiat. There you go. <coughs> I don't think he would Fiat in a Fiat. No, he definitely would not. He would be head out the roof for the six foot uh, Polish man. I like to say he's Polish. He says he's not, but with a name like that, <laughs> Rontosaurus. 
That's a very, anyway, very historic um, name from what I understand. Yeah, it's, uh, I think no one knows how to spell his real name, and I think he forgot a while back. That's why he's Brontosaurus on most of the uh, sites. Yeah, the, uh, what was the other thing people wanted to talk about? Uh, people are asking us to talk about Hanami, but we're probably going to burn everybody out on Hanami. Yeah. The, uh, we're still, we're still too far out from Hanami. you got to take it one event at a time. Yeah. We got, we got the, the regular uh, grid life time attack stuff. That, that's going to happen again on Autobahn this year. Or this week. I really wish I could make it up. Uh, if, uh, if, hopefully uh, Autobahn lends itself to be a fun track for our time attack competitors. A lot of guys haven't been there. We've got several dudes that haven't been to Autobahn that are competing. Yeah, I mean, that, which actually surprised me because, I mean, it's from the Chicago area. It's pretty much the most local track. And but there's a lot of people that haven't gin- driven it. Yeah, Gingerman really is kind of our staple. I mean, Ginger- Gingerman's a lot easier to get on, in my opinion. It's so much more accessible. Yeah. And it used to be even more accessible back when they were doing <laughs> doing all of their uh, their test and tune uh, evenings. Yep. Uh, there, there's a lot of those uh, similar evening with uh, SCCA's. Yeah, they're doing track, track night now. That's right. Um, they've got several of those happening there. But yeah, that, that ended up being a bit of a, uh, a thorn in the management side doing Evening testing tune. They, they they are putting a few of their own weekends on this year. But, That's um, a really yeah. fun track, though, for those of you that haven't been. Autobahn, yeah. yeah, it's awesome. It's so fun. The I think the first time that I got introduced to Autobahn was like '09. Type R Expo came there, and that was one of my first times. I think that was my first time instructing with them, and that place made me so sick. <laughs> Oof, that I, I, were you guys running? Were you guys running <laughs> South Course? Um, I think that was the year we ran South okay. Course, and the next year we ran uh, South, and then Full Course the next year. Oh, Full Course is so awesome. Full Course is great. I know it's expensive to rent, but... It, yeah, it's, it's one of those... If, a lot of times, you, you, yeah, a lot of times you're, you're dealing with the other members, too. Right. So they get, you know, the members get North Course or South Course, and uh, but for, somehow Jay pulled it off to get Full Course that weekend. I think it was a Monday. Tuesday. Yeah, I think I think yeah, I think most of the time full course is only run on like Mondays, Fridays, or, or during the week. Sometime usually. Well, you not know, I think we I think we yeah we gave uh, ITR Expo gave members a session. That's how yeah that the members had their own private session during the day. Okay. That's how we got full. Course. Okay. Yeah, for those of you who yeah. haven't driven full course but have driven North Course oh, and South big. Course separate, uh, it. It's very disorienting when you're driving full course if you've driven the other courses separately uh, because yep. you feel like you should be done and then you realize you have literally have a whole other racetrack to drive. <laughs> I really love the connection point when you're wrapping around the paddock. Oh, right yeah. Going from north to south. It's so That's fun. so long. My car actually will fuel starve there if it's below like seven-eighths of a tank. In the hard left hand yeah. there at the yeah, end. Yeah, going of, around the clubhouse. Going out. Yep, going on the south yep. course there. Yeah, going on the south course, as soon yep. as you hit the straight, all of a sudden I, you just won't have any fuel anymore. And it'll just yep. die, and then it'll pick back up, and you're good to go again. Last year we ran, uh, was it last year? Yeah, we ran a 14-hour straight enduro. On the full course? With, uh, with lemons. It was south course most of the day, and then at uh, after, five, or after five or six, they, can, they, they changed it to full course. How did that? How, did um, they stop the race, or did they just be like, "All right, go no, this way now"? Um, they put a pace car up. Oh, okay. Um, 
and the pace car just led us around south course. I happened to be in the car um, at the end of the south course and then at the beginning of north or full course. Um, and that was the longest stint I ever had in a race car. I was in the car for a little over four hours. Wow. And Did you have to pee at all? Oh, man, that's the best part <laughs> of the story. Um, anybody who knows me knows I've got a tiny tank. And, uh, and I'm, it was hot. It was like an 85 degrees. Um, I, I actually didn't drive our CRX, our, our Orange Lemons car, which is more sticker. It's now it's orange. Um, I was crew chief for the CRX, but we had a full, we had Luke and Chris and Brad Adams and my brother and uh, my buddy Tom Lamb driving that. I was driving our buddy's uh, Integra, the GSR, but it's, it was a beater at the time. Um, that team actually bought Jake Comiscus's old shell, and they, they put all their stuff into it uh, from the Integra. The Integra had rust holes like the size of your hand in it. It was bad. But uh, I was in the Integra uh, following the pace car, and I had to pee so bad that I was looking for – I was looking at the big rust hole, thinking, <laughs> I wonder if I can leave the harness on – pee out that rust hole um, because we spent we spent a good 40 minutes buying the pace car and there's nothing more boring than a pace car you know it was going so you slow you get black flag for a mechanical this guy's yeah, leaking yeah. oil everywhere yeah. he's, he's leaking coolant out the middle of the driver's side rocker panel but the it, it was a long and it was a long pace session too they spent a while moving the they had like water barriers and hay bales out you mm-hmm. know and uh yeah, it was a long. It, was, it felt like hours and hours and hours. But if uh, if you came in, they wouldn't let you back out until the course went clear. So you'd lose, you know, the two, three, four laps. Oh wow! Um, and in our CRX, it wouldn't have been a big deal because we were having technical issues and we had a crappy old CRX. But the but in the Integra, we were running top three. Um, that car's always been competitive. It's always been a bridesmaid. It's never won though. Always a bride. Never a bride. <laughs> and this, it's literally came in second and third and fourth place in like every Lemons race they entered. Man. Um, but uh, luckily, they, we, the, the track went green um, just as I had almost figured out uh, how to get uh, my thing out the, past the harnesses and aiming at the hole on the floor. <laughs> but uh, once the track goes green, you forget all about it. And I drove for another hour. But uh, it was it was kind of fun on the connection point from south to north if you stay i think what is it track left or is it track right uh where you get a little, a little bit, bit of air yeah on the, on the transition right. I, would, I would know it i would know it as i'm driving it but i can't picture it right now but uh, uh passing guys and getting the car airborne over <laughs> that's a fun place to race right through there nice little long straightaway that's probably if you carry too much speed through there that's probably the most dangerous point in the track because if yeah, you go straight you there, there's that. I think there's that tire yeah. barrier there, but it's there's, not there's that no far amount. away from the track. Mm-hmm. That uh, a couple of cars almost stuffed it into that during that race because because uh, they they raced the full course until midnight that night, and it's really hard to see, especially in that that portion right there, because um, you got the lights from the paddock off to your right um, as you're entering north course from south course, and it's kind of like. My brother said it was messing with his eyes, and the guy that was driving the Integra said it was messing with his eyes there too, um, because you go from like a little bit of bright, and then you get nothing for a split second, and there's nothing to see except for corner workers had their, I think they had flashlights or something, 
but uh, yeah, that's that's a tough section to drive in. Man. Yeah, I, I still haven't uh, I still haven't raced that night. I qualified that night. I'm talking to myself. <laughs> um, I qualified at the VIR 13 uh, last year. Uh, we had to do qualifying sessions in the middle of the night. You know, improve that you could drive at night, but I've never I've never raced that night. Yeah, the only time anyway. I've uh, well, I guess been on track at night. Sometimes gingermen, you know, you get your longer oh, test and tune days uh yeah. you know where they end at nine but you know it gets dark at eight so had, <laughs> you had a little bit of time chrissy would still let you out yeah you get some headlights and in. then there was that one time at one of the events where i got to drive at like 11 o'clock at night so that's when the car was, was super that? loud that's when josh let uh chris nelson from automobile magazine out in the brz okay. and josh being the old track manager uh you know who we know, but uh, and he was like, "Hey, you want to go get some laps in your S two thousand? And that's when the S two thousand was super loud. Oh, that's awesome! So yeah, I think we we're. I was still. <laughs> I'd driven the track so much at that point that I was still clicking off like one forty sevens at night. That's awesome. And the coolest part though was you'd come around seven and start going into eight. And I guess there's a lot of birds that like to sit out in eight at night. So every lap yeah. you'd come through there, and there'd be all these like birds scattering everywhere. So, yeah, so we got, I think I got to do three laps like that, but tried to take some video. It didn't really turn out very well. How were the headlights on an S2000? They're pretty decent, but do uh, you remember those rally lights that I used to have? Oh, yeah. Yeah, those, those came in pretty clutch. That would be pretty nice. So, I mean, we're all ready for endurance racing. I just need a, a cage. Yep. And, and some extra money. <laughs> yeah, that always helps. You got a bolt in that thing, right? Have what? You have a bolt-in cage in there, or a rear side? Yeah, cage? yeah, just a, a typical hard dog roll bar yep. for for the S two thousand. Yep. The uh, I remember a couple of years ago, a year and a half ago, we talked about maybe uh, a one lap effort in there. I would still be completely down, man. <laughs> you wouldn't want to take the uh, the comfortable Jetta. I mean, I think the wagon because you could run the wagon in the alternative fuels class. Oh, it'd be so. So it would. I mean, we could sleep in it while we we're going. Uh, that would be almost too easy. I I mean, with a tune, I think it, that's to me, that's a perfect one lap car. Cause it's not going to cost you anything in fuel. Thing gets like 46, 47 miles of the gallon. It's not like you're going to beat the GTRs. It would be hilarious if we did though. If it rained and drivers weren't so good, you might be able to make something happen. There's some good drivers at one lap. Yeah, that's for sure. Everybody always talks about, and I've talked about it, I'm guilty of it for the past 10 years. You know, everybody always says, oh, man, I want to do one lap someday. Um, we got to get some people doing one lap because last year the attendance was pretty low. And I think they, they were talking about how eh, this might not be something we're going to do forever. So anybody listening to this, you should probably go do one lap someday in your life. We should try and do one lap next year. If uh, If... We should get this podcast super successful and get sponsorship. That'd be perfect. <laughs> or we could have like we could just do a seven day straight <laughs> podcast. Well, if uh, <laughs> if we happen to do it, we're gonna have to do a lot. Of it. I mean, you have all that time in the car. You, you know, could literally get seventy podcasts. <laughs> so, I mean, the best thing about taking the wagon on one lap is that at that time, say we do it next year, we'll already have one hundred and twenty thousand miles on it and be two years old. Like that thing will be. I mean. <laughs> It's gonna 
it'll be tried and true at that point. Yeah, and, and it'll be, is it out of warranty already? Or? Uh, the warranty just expired today. I literally rolled 60,000 miles today on okay. the way back from Florida. So the warranty is gone. So did the check engine light come on yet? No, or? not yet. That's probably tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, you know, that is a Volkswagen. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think luckily for Volkswagen, they actually do a time release thing. So it's actually four years. Yeah, oh, you nice. know, 15,000 miles a year. So at the four-year mark, that's when it comes yeah. on. So, so it's like a candy bar where you slowly peel the wrapper Exactly. Off. So I, I still have, like, a little under three years left. Yeah, the, uh, the TDI is a good motor. My, my dad bought one. He bought a 2014 Cassandra. That last oh really? Um, it's, it's he's got the DSG box in it, but um, man, what a great little car! I mean, it's a great little cruiser. You know the yeah. the sport wagon that I have is actually based off of the four door GTI, so it actually has all GTI suspension and everything. So it's it's a pretty good platform. Not gonna lie. The, uh... No, yours is a stick. Yeah, mine's a six-speed. I've, I've never been in yours. Um, oh, we had room in the very back last time we had yeah, it on track. You clearly did. <laughs> <coughs> how uh, how do you like that trans on track? Aren't the diesels a little, aren't they supposed to be geared a little bit differently? Yeah, um, the thing has no balls after probably like 3,500 RPM. So it just, but what's nice about it, it has a, a soft rev limit, so it just kind of hangs. It doesn't bounce um, at okay. the top, so that's kind of nice. But you do need to shift it a lot. Uh, the stock tune really, I mean, it's got, it makes 140 horsepower at the crank from the factory. Like what, and like 210 foot pounds? 236, yeah. Holy cow. So, but uh, now that the warranty's gone, we'll be tuning it soon. So yeah. it's going to be tuned and emission deleted. Yeah, you recording? I am now. Okay. Yes. Now I'm recording. Yeah, you're gonna have fun editing this one. <laughs> All right. So if this is published, um, Austin, for a few minutes there thought he lost the last fifty minutes of audio. If it's not published, Austin lost the last fifty minutes of audio. <laughs> oh, you might want to move back from the mic just a little bit more. Yeah. I want it. I wanted to be close for him to see. <laughs> Um, anyway, uh, I really hey, hope we didn't lose the audio. You said the sound waves are bouncing around on your screen. You're probably fine, right? Yeah, I definitely I can see sound waves, uh, but in the file it took forever yeah. to save. You're but, probably okay. Uh, anyways, uh, definitely we'll need to be getting a new computer for this because uh, this one is from May of 2006. I got this one for actually no, this one's from 2007. This is the one that I got when I was working for Apple. Hopefully, uh, hopefully you still have that audio. But yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, if uh, if somebody's listening to this, that means that you fixed it and you figured it all out. I think we we're talking about TDI stuff, but uh, um, yeah, your uh, your Jetta is a one impressive little car. It's pretty fun, man. If uh, there's a couple of guys, a guy on the East Coast, he built. Uh, I think it was a a regular Jetta, but it had the DSG box, and he built it for the Super Touring Unlimited uh, class. And they they've been endurance racing it, and I guess it's pretty pretty nice to endurance race an automatic. <laughs> um, and one of the guys that's on the on the Super Touring committee with me, 
Uh, he was on the team that raced a couple years ago. Um, and a tie rod is the only thing that kept him from winning their class overall to be AR-13. So how does that work with uh, compression ratios like we were talking about earlier? Uh, yeah. Um, the, the only the only exemption to the compression in the Super Touring is for um, compression ignition motors. <laughs> so it's almost like they rewrote the, the rules diesels, it, up. it was always written that way. Uh, the diesels have basically unlimited compression because they're diesels. Okay. It, I think it's the only one that I know of that's been built. But there was a TDI Cup several years ago too. Yeah, and apparently I at SEMA last year I was sitting I was sitting at a bar after the show one day and ended up the guy that was sitting next to me was like one of the presidents of iRacing. And oh, yeah? he was telling me at the time, you know, you could have just probably been given one of those cars when the series folded. I think all yeah. of those those cars ended up at a driving school up in New Jersey Motorsports Park. Yep, I think you're right. But um, yeah. somebody just posted pictures of them a few days ago. So that would have been really fun to have. But what's interesting, all most of those parts you can actually get through Volkswagen Racing. At least How the front suspension parts. Not a whole lot. They had, I think they had custom control arms up front for a little bit more camber and custom ball joints. Uh, yeah. The front big brake kits on them were actually they used R8 calipers, uh, rear calipers from the R8 on the front okay. of the car. Um, I think it had all the stock emission stuff. I think it might have had a muffler delete, maybe. Um, mm -hmm. But otherwise, I mean, all safety equipment and everything. But for the most part, they tried to keep them as stock as they could. Yeah, they ran all over the country, too. Yeah, and they were fast. I think they at Road Atlanta, they were doing like 137s or something. Holy cow, that's moving. Yeah. So, I mean, granted, I think they were on maybe some Pirelli race slicks or something. But, uh, mm -hmm. I mean, that is that is hauling. The, uh, one of the, the one of the guys from my Lemons team, he uh, he helped crew uh, for one of the guys that ran TDI Cup. He went to several races up the Road Atlanta to Autobahn, I think, mm -hmm. or uh, Road America Autobahn. Um, do they still do camp. any national race series at Autobahn? I remember there was an MX5, like a Playboy Cup, uh, race from there a I, couple not that years I know ago. Of, no, okay, not, not that I know of. Yeah, the uh, let's. Uh, my my dad's TDI. I took it to uh, Colorado with uh, with with my wife and daughter. My daughter was like three months old at the time. It was the nicest, peacefulest, most you know delightful highway car. And it didn't cost um, you anything. It probably was what like a hundred and twenty dollars round trip. Oh, <laughs> uh, the mileage is awesome. Yeah. It it, it uh, the the family vacation happened to coincide with the Pikes Peak Hill Climb Week, um, and uh, so I I went I took it up the hill and. Uh, Watch some practice. Uh, one of the one of the mornings, you got to get there like 4 a.m. during practice because they only get the hill until like 9 o'clock. But uh, yeah, that's it's always a spectacle to see Pikes Peak. Yeah. Speaking of Pikes Peak, uh, one of Track Midwest's very own is competing out there this year. Yeah, Jeremiah Fox. Yeah. So I saw today. It was either today or yesterday that he arrived out there finally. So yep. uh, I wish him a... wish him all the best. Good luck, Jeremiah. Yeah, his Subaru with all the Affinity Arrow that our buddy Cody uh, builds. Car did real well at Grid Life uh, Round One. Um, that thing uh, was not slow. No, One of the, he was like top five or top three. Yeah, what was he doing? Like thirty, thirty sevens, maybe one thirty sevens. I think he got a one thirty six. Did I'm he? Not, okay, I'm not sure. Okay, he, he he was fighting some issues, and I don't think he was super familiar with uh, with the track. Um, 
And I know at one point he had like destroyed the front arrow on the car and had to rebuild yeah. it. And... The replacement splitter was half inch plywood, I believe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I think uh, who I think Ryan Weddle had to do something like that as well. Yeah, there was plenty of plywood splitters being made. The, the wet weather definitely helps you go off track a little easier. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a tiny bit. <laughs> um, yeah. The, I, I wonder what uh, I wonder what if any kind of info you can garner from tracking a car and then taking it all the way to Pikes Peak. And I think the setup is very different if it's Pikes Peak. Yeah, just uh, just a little bit different. Hey, but at least yeah, well, at least it's all paved now, so at least yeah, it's it, somewhat similar. In 2012, I was Cody Loveland's crew crew chief, kind of for uh, for his Pikes Peak Unlimited effort. Oh, that's and right. That is, that's a stressful week, man. That is one stressful week. Me and Jake were out there. My brother went, um, and, and Cody had a couple of offs and mishaps, and the car needed to be basically rebuilt twice. Um, it, it was a long week, very, very long week. Yeah, especially having to rebuild the car, uh, I can imagine yeah. it would be it would be pretty stressful. They were literally gluing the DHP body back together. Oh man. Like, <laughs> It was, but there's there was no better feeling than when he got to the top of the mountain. I think he got second on Unlimited that year. I think he got first that year, didn't he? I, I think it was second. Was it second? Okay. I think maybe first on first on Unlimited, second overall. I'm not positive. Okay. Um, it wasn't second overall. It was his first time up the mountain. Yeah. Uh, that's the problem with the Pikes Peak is you can never get enough seat time. The guy that the guy that does well is the guy that has been there many many years. The, the practice sessions, too, they divide the hill into three sections because um, it's a 14-mile or whatever hill. And different different groups run staggered. They, you know, somebody would be at the bottom of the hill, the next group would be in the middle, and then the other group would be at the top. And don't they have to start yeah. practice at, like, like 4.30 in the morning or yeah, something? Yeah, it's real early. Yeah. We, we had to be there at the bottom of the hill, I think, at 2.30 for practice. And then you get, you get up to your grid spot, and, and basically you're in the woods um and you're unloading a, a super low car in the woods <laughs> in, in the dark and you have to be like ready to go as soon as daylight pops over the mountain now was it was it yeah a couple weeks ago i saw some of the testing uh it looks yeah. like it snowed oh that's this super year during the testing just yeah. a couple weeks ago yeah i think usually it's a group uh that will rent out early morning practice time and they'll try to get extra practice time they do it usually a few weeks beforehand, so they have some time to make setup changes and stuff. But it's uh, it's a demanding, demanding hill. There's there's nothing crazier in motorsports, in my opinion. It's just nuts. Yeah, that's uh, it seems pretty pretty awesome. It and and it's also like the most beautiful place to watch a race. Um, last year we were we were watching practice i think on the friday before so it was like the day before the race we were watching practice from um the like the devil's they call it the devil's playground area there's a big parking area and, and you can really see a whole lot you can see like several miles of the, of the course and it was uh, i picked up luke luke wilcox happened to be out there with his family for vacation also so he and i and his brother and his sister sister and brother-in-law went out and spectated and, and Luke and I are really the only ones that are into motorsports. But, um, 
and sister and brother and brother-in-law thought it was just the coolest because it's a cool place to even hang out. Yeah. That's definitely a bucket list thing for me to do. I want to go to and that. Then you go to the top and get donuts. <laughs> oh, there's a donut got, shop up there? Oh, they got such good donuts at the uh, gift stand. Oh, man. They're really good. We had donuts next to uh, Monster Tajima that day. <laughs> <laughs> was that was that electrifying? Uh, last year, I think he had an electric car again, yeah. Okay. He's doing another electric. He, he started with electric cars, I think, in 2012. Okay. He's a nice guy, super nice guy. Is Talked he? Talked to him a couple of times, yeah. Uh, he he kind of just shakes his head and, and it smiles a lot. <laughs> <laughs> dude, dude can go up the mountain real fast. Yeah. yeah. No, it's definitely a bucket list to get out there, go see that. Uh, I'd love to go to, um, you know, go to Isle of Man sometime. Oh, man. That'd be really cool. And then I'd love to go to the Bathurst 1000. I don't know anything about that except for I see it in, like, Posts in different places. That course just looks insane. What what's that like? It's in Australia, and apparently you race up the side of a mountain and back down it uh, for a thousand miles. Yeah, or is it a thousand? It might be a thousand kilometers because it's in Australia. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I mean, there's actually a video I think from last year of like a couple GTRs battling out with uh, with a maybe a Bentley or a Rolls. Uh, oh. But it was it was just an amazing video. The track looks phenomenal. Uh, it looks super yeah. super dangerous too. Maybe that's why I like it. But yeah, the uh, the Australians have an interesting view on motorsports. They have some strange little classes, and they bring a lot of cool things to road course work. Um, have you seen those miniature NASCAR things that they race? No. It's a pretty. Comp- I, I forget the name of it. It'll pop into my head. Is it is it like the Alice and Legacies that we get here in the states? They're real similar to that, except for they're they're like uh, I think they're kind of like half scale, um, and they're bike powered, I believe. Okay. High abuse, thousand cc Jixer motors or whatever. Yeah. Um, but they look like they look just like miniature stock cars, um, <laughs> like miniature modern stock cars, and it's a super competitive series, I guess. Um, like a lot of pro drivers out there uh, race the series, but. There's some in, I watched some in-car footage a few months ago, and it just looks like the coolest thing in the whole world. <laughs> but the, uh, I'll figure out what it's called, and I'll, uh, I'll bring it up next podcast. But yeah, it's really uh, – they have some really cool road courses out there, and they have some pretty intense uh, classes. Australian V8 supercars, you know, everybody knows about that. It seems like the rest of the world is just super crazy about motorsports compared to the U.S. I mean, I, I love being in America, but it seems like Europe, Asia, just a lot of other places have a lot more motorsports-oriented stuff, at least seems road like course-wise. Than... Yeah, they're, they're definitely more into the road course aspect of things. Yeah. Where, whereas over here you say you're into road courses and people think that you're you know, driving them. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's the thing. Like in Europe, like the road course is actually a road course in a lot of cases. Some of them, yeah. You know, yeah, you get the Nurburgring. It's a public highway that if you crash your car during a test day or track day, you, your insurance covers it. Which, speaking of that, did you see this week where it looks like that they instituted speed limits in certain areas of the Nurburgring? Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, um, I didn't really read too much into it because I was like, oh, that's, that's interesting, but. I th- there, there's that one uh, section that's called the the fly place. Oh, is that where the where the GTR got airborne this year? Yeah, I think yeah. that I think that specifically is the the reason that they inst- instituted that. Um, 
and they also are uh, trying to prevent manufacturers from bragging about their Nurburgring time. Um, wow! With new cars, they're trying to take that out of out of um, uh, kind of like a marketing thing. Um, the new the new ownership of the Nurburgring. Huh? I don't know why. But huh? I'm sure they've got a good reason. For I wonder it. if it's because people buy the car and think they can go to the Nurburgring and do the exact same lap time. I think that might be part of it. <laughs> think of uh, think of the the least talented member of your family buying a GTR and you know trying to uh, <laughs> ring it out over there. That's not a forgiving place to I mean to play with your new car. For a while, I was looking at selling <laughs> my S2000. And, you know, I'd advertise it, or people would message me, and I'd tell them what lap times it would run. And I could just tell in their heads, they're like, oh, I can go run that too. And so yeah. I'm kind of hoping, because that's the only way I'm going to be able to sell the car. Are you actually trying to sell it? Uh, kind of. So That makes me sad. We'll see. I mean, I can always buy another one or build a K-Miata. Or, that's true, that's true. Or go race motorcycles. Yeah, yeah that would be fun too. So... I don't know. I haven't seen the thing since March. I got Where's back. It it's uh, in the trailer at a storage unit that I have. Okay. So, but I haven't seen it since March. I got back from Road Atlanta with NASA, and yep. just like parked the trailer and have not looked at the thing since. How was it after being uh, stored for a couple of years? I was fine, man. I went out, uh, placed first both days by a couple nice. seconds uh, at Road Atlanta and TTC. Yep. So. Uh, we were probably about a what was it? Less than a second off the track record for TT or for the TT oh, class. Nice. So and it was a little hot that day too. So were you on uh, fresh tires or castoffs? Uh, castoffs actually. The guy I bought pretty them good. from had actually run them at nationals at Road Atlanta a couple months before that. So well, they're pretty fresh. Yeah, and he's actually the same guy that has the track record. So cool. cool. So Road Atlanta, it's one of those tracks though that's very dependent on temperature. Uh, I've yep. seen lap times fluctuate two to three seconds just based off of temperature and track temps and conditions. So a lot, a lot of tracks are that way. Yeah. yeah. So um, especially in uh, southern climates where you know you can race all year pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. If it's too hot, it don't work. If it's too cold, it don't work. The uh, being down south really does. Ooh, that would be nice. Able to race it. Yeah, you think it would be, but then February. you don't have any money because you're always racing. Yeah, that's the problem. Man. Yeah. So whereas, like when I was in Chicago, it was nice because you could just take some downtime. Yeah, it was wonderful. The uh, next year, I want to run. I want to make an effort at running with the you know the national champion, run for the national championship with SCCA. Mm -hmm. And with all the summer stuff that I am stuck kind of doing with trying to meet you know, grid life and it becomes kind of you know, summer encompassing as far as my track time goes. Um, so I'm kind of thinking I'm going to be running down south, you know, your way. Come on uh, down. There, there's a bunch of SCCA majors down. You know, the majors races are what you run. You run the majors races to qualify for the national championship. But uh, VIR is, I think, in March or March, probably April. And then they've got all the Florida races like in January, February. But oh, like down at like nice. Sebring and yep. Daytona. Sebring, I think Do they run at Daytona too? Yeah, they run at Daytona. The championships are actually at Daytona this year. Oh, really? Next year they're at Mid Ohio, which is kind of the. Oh man, that'll be perfect. Yeah, my car is uh, uh, super touring light is 
it's a dis displacement based class pretty much and there's you know slight modification slight weight modifiers for rear wheel drive versus front wheel drive stuff like that but basically the displacement of your engine picks the weight of your car but everybody's on the same tire um, so at the big tracks the k20 cars the two liter and under class k20 cars do pretty well because they make the most power for the big tracks but um and everybody's on 225s uh, as the tire are there a lot of Miatas that run an STL as well? Uh, yeah, like mod it's super modified Miatas, for, obviously, it's but even a lot of spec Miatas. Oh wow! Double dip. Okay. They call them double dippers. Are they are they competitive in STL being a spec Miata? Typically, um, there's four or five serious STL cars that get like the top four or five places, and then you get a ton of spec Miatas, and then somebody that had some problems, and then a bunch more spec Miatas. Um, but yeah, they do pretty well. I, I, a front runner spec Miata can run with um, the top five typically. Okay. But, uh, there's a lot of difference in spec Miatas nowadays. Yeah. But, yeah, my car is a 1.5, so it's only 2,025 pounds with a driver, whereas like a K20 car would have to be 2,700 pounds. So I mean, we're talking about a 600 some pound difference uh, on the same tires. But that's the reason I want to run them in Ohio. I'll, I'll be the lightest car by like three or four hundred pounds. Yeah, that'd come in very handy. Yeah, if I can actually steer it <laughs> to some sort of decent <laughs> finish. Now, when you guys run there with SCCA, are you running the club course or the pro course? Uh, uh, usually it's both. Um, hmm. You, you know, on Saturday you'll run. Usually they run club course first, okay. and then they run pro course on Sunday. Okay. Um, which it seems like. For a lot of uh, the door slammer cars, it's about a two to three second difference. One and a half to three seconds is kind of what you see for the lap records. Right. But uh, I really like them both. Uh, club course is super fun uh, if you've got the grip for yeah, it. Yeah, especially in a, a little bit slower car. You know, you yeah. can just stay flat-footed up <laughs> up until the top, and then you tap the brakes and head into the keyhole. Yeah, I, I love the keyhole. It's so fun. Yeah. The, the turn that always gets me at, at Mid-Ohio is turn one. Oh yeah, oh it just I, I I know I'm leaving one or two seconds on the table at turn one. It can be so fast when you trust it. Yep, I'm I'm getting there, but I'm getting to the point where I'm just breathing on the brakes and wide open throttle, and uh, I know I know I'm leaving two or three miles an hour out there though. And the FRS, it used to be like when we were there for ITR Expo. I tried it a couple times and it worked. You could just lift and turn in and plant the throttle. Yep. No brakes and it would stick. It was it was awesome. Yeah, the yeah, I just don't have the stones <laughs> for it yet. <laughs> My least favorite turn there though is the turn after madness. Yep. You know, like it's, right it's kind of kind of like a throwaway turn. It 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 scrubs a lot of speed off. Um, but that that turn right there, uh, my car does real well over madness because it's so light. Mm -hmm. um, and I've passed more guys at the bottom of that turn. Um, yeah, the right-hander after madness. I love that turn, but it it does it does kill some of the flow for the back section. My favorite turn there is actually going up into Thunder Valley. Yeah. So you know you can drop pretty much in my S two thousand. I can turn in as you're going up that small hill where it's blind, yep. and then just plant the throttle. You know, kind of hop the curb on the inside there a little bit, and then go yep. up over the car gets light. You get a little bit of wheel spin as you come up over there in the S. 
Uh, and hopefully you're lined up right and you don't end up in the grass on the left side of the track. That's the section that I'm really excited to run this year. Oh, yeah? I, I put a, uh, I, I sold my, my trans with a quaif in it uh, and a 4.7, and I bought a trans with a 4.9 and a plate type disc. Um, I, I would get, that was the one turn, the one section, that little jump right there, um, where I would get a lot of wheel spin, and it would kind of upset the car a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm kind of curious to see how a, a real plate diff works. Hopefully, I get a little bit less, uh, you know, a little bit more acceleration through that over that little jump kind of thing. That's my <laughs> that's my favorite section of the track there in yeah, the it's Thunder a, it's Valley. So fun. Yeah, I mean it's so just fun. oh. Uh, anyway, we want to uh, uh, since we've been uh, if if we got your recording before we've been going for about an hour twelve. Okay. Um, and I'm shivering because all of a sudden the AC kicked <laughs> on. Um, and we'll talk about right. how to do this one. We might break this one up into two segments. I don't know. I think um, we're if if you get recording, I think we're okay. Okay. Yeah. Cross your fingers that Austin uh, actually has this. Otherwise, we might have about twenty minutes uh, with no beginning. <laughs> twenty minutes with no beginning is still a podcast. It, it sure is. Anyway, buddy, I'll uh, hopefully I'll be talking to you this weekend. You sure will. Hopefully on Saturday at Grid Life. Yeah, my, my voice is starting to go. I'm fighting a little bit of a cold. All right. Probably sounding like uh, Tara Reed after a long night. <laughs> um, I used to have a huge crush on Tara Reed after Van Wilder. Who, who didn't, man? I don't know. Probably nobody. I, you st you probably still should. I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah you probably Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a little bit. We need to get her at Grit Life. I, I don't, she'd probably be cheaper than Matt Farrow. <laughs> Well, just uh, just a couple rocks. Is that all? Hey, uh, no disparaging words. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I don't want to get sued. <laughs> I'm I'm in diamonds. Yeah, diamonds. Yeah, girl's best friend. Yeah. Girl's best friend. That's what I meant by rocks. Yeah, don't make you a bad person if you're into that other stuff. No, you're not. Don't make you a bad person. All right, everybody, I'm gonna sign off for the night. All right. All right, man. I'm gonna hit uh, pause, and we will talk to you guys later. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Hey listeners, Austin again. Just want to do again apologize for the horrible audio quality from this episode. Uh, we're new to this whole thing, so please bear with us. There's going to be a little bit of growing pains. Just wanted to let you all know that the podcast has now been added to the iTunes store as well as Stitcher. So if you would, please subscribe to us on one of those. Uh, leave us a review if you can. You can also add us at our Facebook page. Uh, go give us a like. We are at Slip Angle, one word. Uh, if you just search for us, you can find us there. And we also have some email addresses if you're interested in contacting us about future episodes, ideas, anything like that. Uh, mine is austin at slipangleshow.com, and Adam's is adam at slipangleshow.com. So with that said, thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.